0: listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. On this episode, we're joined by cavalry player Jordan Brown. We're also joined by ex cavalry player and new Montreal Impact recruit, Joel Waterman. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. This episode of the Down the Pub podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Footy 258 Footy 25 is a brand new platform which stands for aspiring footballers going that extra hour a day, spanning over that extra day of the week. It brings you exclusive content in the world of football, starting from in-depth interviews with the world's top pros, training tips, drills, and a whole lot more. Head to footy258.com to check out more. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pole podcast. We are joined by uh, Calvary FC forward, uh, Jordan Brown. Uh, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks,
1: man. Thanks for having me.
0: We're also joined by regular show contributors, uh, Carlos and Chris. First question I have for you, Jordan, is... Um, H- hate to bring it up, but uh, how, how heartbreaking was the end of uh, last season? Um, what do you think was like the missing little piece of the jigsaw to get you over the line?
1: Yeah, man, um, it's never nice to lose a final, especially in the manner that we went through the season. You know, we went through the season, um, even you know getting knocked out. There was other uh, factors to that um in terms of getting knocked out the canadian championship you know we had a lot of injuries at the time so even that we knew that we we put everything on the line so it wasn't really um it wasn't really the fact that we lost in that situation where we were so disappointed we were just like oh we gave it all our everything and this is by all accounts it's the first year right so we were actually quite proud of ourselves um beating vancouver and then um to losing the final where we thought, you know, we're the best team in the league. Yeah, it was quite devastating. What do you think was like missing was there like a missing? Oh yeah, sorry, um the missing the missing piece. Um I don't know, you know, um in in terms of the team how we played against Forge, we were we tend to do a lot better when we were at home. Um and I think if we, you know, managed a few obstacles in the first leg then I I think the pressure would have probably been too much for Forge in the second leg, in my opinion. Um, I just think in the first leg, you could have said maybe I'm not in everybody's heads, right? Um, You know, I can just know what I'm thinking at the time, but maybe it was too much pressure for us in the first leg. I'm not speaking for myself, but maybe for other players. Or it could have just been a matter of circumstances that happened in the game, which were so unfortunate with the handball. At the time, we thought the ball was out, but it showed that the ball wasn't out. Um, And also uh, injuries going into the final as well. So um, just a lot of things that kind of probably was the missing piece. But I don't think it was um, any player, for example, it's obviously, as you said, like pressure because you guys were
0: the best team over the course of the season, and then I suppose like it's kind of you're expected to uh, to go on and win it. Like, did you just feel that pressure, um, like going into the games at the end?
1: Me, me personally, no. Um, I think the pressure was where we thought, you know, we we wanted to win um, every single game, so that's the pressure we put on ourselves, right? And um, having like lost before um just before the final where we lost against Forge away you know we rested a couple players in that game etc and I think we put the pressure on us in the last game where we wanted to win and we won like the last 20 minutes of that game it was nil nil up until like the last 20 minutes so um I'd say nah I would say nah in in terms of the final it wasn't I don't think it was like I don't know. I don't think it was pressure in that type of way. And I think, you know, maybe when you go and have the season that we had where we beat Vancouver, et cetera, and then we come up against Montreal and then we get knocked out, maybe from then you're thinking, okay, now there's only one thing that we have to do now and that is to win the Canadian Premier League. And uh, we put all, all our eggs into that because that's all we had and we just didn't manage to pull it off. You've uh, made some signings in the uh, the
0: off-season there. Do you think uh, the squad is going to be a lot stronger than what it was last year? Because
1: obviously you had a pretty decent squad last year too. Yeah, uh, the squad last year was, you know, it was probably in terms of all the teams I've played at. I I wouldn't say like some of the best players I've ever played with or anything like that, but in terms of like the actual squad chemistry and the squad... um, how everybody is pretty much on the same level. So you could replace any player with any player and you would pretty much get the same results, but just in a different style of play. I would say that that's like the first time I've been on a a real team where you could say up to like 20 players in the squad where you just put anybody in, anybody can do a job, you know, on any given day. Um, I think this season is a bit different as uh, we, we just got probably players that probably fit our style. We brought players in who fit our style a lot more or fit our style how we want to play. So I haven't seen a couple of them. So I can't really tell you how they're going to be, how they're going to fit into the team. But um, I know the players that who've come in already and their new signings, they fit right in. And um, I know they're going to bring a lot to our team. Jesus, God help us.
2: In regards to Calvary, you know, in the finals... I'm wondering what was the message of Tommy Wilden Jr. Because all the interviews that he's been doing, like he has nothing to complain about the performance of the things. And I think you guys did amazing. You guys dominated the whole league. And my question to you is, what was the motivation that Tommy Wilden Jr. gave to the players before the finals and after the finals?
1: um it was it was pretty much the same as normal it it wasn't um overhyped pressure or anything like that it's not like he was like guys we have to win and oh, we know we have to win you know it, it was one of those ones you don't need to get hyped up for a final type of thing um he was pretty chilled pretty normal um and you know as a as a manager should do he was giving us um, our tactics our game plan and how we wanted to beat them um, um on that side of the things that's how he was and um in terms of um like the morale in the team everything was good just going in um i just think we just had a couple injuries going into it like our captain just before the final he had the concussion um which you know having said that going back to the previous point i made we have a lot of players you could just come in as well and just do a, a do a job um but you know um in terms of yeah in terms of the morale and everything in the team I, I thought everything was normal you know so I, I couldn't really put anything on it except the first leg that that's really what I can say which was um our downfall in terms of uh, why we just didn't get the job done if we come out of that game um you know with 11 men and you know having scored a away goal then now they put a lot of pressure on them going back to home and um I don't think you know at home they would have beat us in that situation it's just obviously they managed to score in the last kick of the game basically because we had to throw everybody forward but if you're talking about a normal game um you know let's say in hindsight we would have been we would have had a goal and you know i don't think they would have scored on us in like you know a realistic normal situation
2: Right on, right
1: on. I guess uh, going back to what you were just mentioning about the Canadian
3: Championship, you have the credit of scoring essentially the biggest goal in Cavalry's very young history. Um, What was that feeling like? You kind of set the pace for the entire
1: thing. It was just one of those days where... um... I would say it was probably my most... I would say I don't I don't get nervous in the type of way where I'm thinking, oh, you know, what if I don't have a bad game type of thing? But yeah. my nerves turn into excitement and a lot of energy. And I would say, like, that's probably one of the most games in my life I've been pumped up for. Um, just in terms of, like, everything that was going on, um, new league, new team. And, um, you know, that moment... Um, I don't think I was having a particularly good game I was getting well sorry um, before that goal I'm talking about um, it took me yeah. a long time um, to get into the game but I think that goal kind of gave me the boost I needed to kind of kickstart from there my season and um, the team season and I think along with myself um, before that goal went in I don't think we were playing that great or we couldn't really open up the gaps too well. But after that, we just, you know, we, it was like an onslaught in that first half where we were just all over them and then they never had a shot. <laughs> shot on goal in the first half, um, York 9. So, yeah, like that whole thing, that whole experience, like it was just something that I can't even describe, to be honest. And It's something that, you know, I hold close to my heart. Don't matter whatever happens, um, you know, I scored the first goal. That's
3: awesome, man. That's awesome. You were uh, you were also just talking about Tommy earlier. He's a he's a manager that I think just about every other fan in the league on other teams would love to have on their team, just because it appears that he's like the twelfth man. Um, the the couple of times you guys were here in Halifax, he was right on the touchline, and you could really feel his presence from the other side of the field. I guess as a player, instructionally, it, it, Tommy must be super easy to work with, eh?
1: It's, it's quite, you know, unique in the situation because, um, number one, I've walked into a situation where there was pretty much a team before a team, you know, yeah um, which is a unique situation where, you know, most of the guys on the team were playing for um, a different organization called Foothills um, and they were like a camaraderie before that. So it was like walking into a, a, like a new team for me, you know, like. I was the new player and there was already a team type of thing you know yeah Um, that's how it felt and um, so obviously that helps and um, in terms of how he deals with the players and everything like that um, he's very good at man managing the players so you know if um, maybe the team well last year we had a lot of games so you know and a lot of good players so it was very hard to like pick at 11 for every single game I would say Um, only really injuries kind of sometimes define that and put that into place. But a lot of times, um, there was a a lot of times where um, it was very hard to pick the team. So, you know, it was very, you know, easy for me to sympathize with him um, in that regard. And um, he was very, like, he dealt with it very well, you know, and that's how we performed every single game. Um, And he was very good at, like, rotating the team, um, when players need rest and things like that, so yeah, that that's what I would say. His pretty much his skill is like he has everyone on board, and um, he's very good at man managing the team. That's what I would say, and and getting everyone to play um, how he wants to play his style. You know, was that English connection that was already at Cavalry? Or did that make the move
3: easier for you? Like, what was your impression of the Canadian game before coming over here?
1: There wasn't really any established league that I could have remembered. Um, in Canada yeah. so it, it was very it was very hard for me to like picture what it would turn out to be but um the way uh Tommy kind of put that to me and how everything's moving forward with, whether that be uh, images whether that be uh what foothills have done what he's done with foothills whether that be, like, um, players with the national team. I-, I knew of the national team and, like, players who've played there because, you know, they- they've always had players who've played around, the uh, you know, the globe. But um, in terms of the league, I-, I didn't really know what I was in for. But, um, yeah, I would say he made that a lot easier um, for me, especially um, speaking to him via FaceTime. I never met him, actually, in person until I landed in Calgary. But... Um, yeah, via FaceTime, him and uh, the goalkeeper coach, Jordan Santiago, who I knew from my West Ham days, um, those guys, they made it uh, very easy for me to um, have faith in um, kind of the projects, uh, what's going forward and is this going to be a, a one-time, or one-season thing where, you know, they have a they have a, a, a season and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know. So I had faith in, in, in the league and how it's run because of, them two, I would say. Otherwise, I probably would have gone somewhere else. I'm not gonna lie. You, you've, you've kind of
0: mentioned a few times the uh, the, the game against the Whitecaps. Um, how important do you think it was for the for the Canadian Premier League itself that you guys got that victory in the, the first year of the
1: league? And um, how amazing was it to score at BC Place? Everything I've learned in terms of like Canadian football has been um, ever since I arrived here, and um, I would say I've, I've learned a lot quick about like the uh, the history, um, you know, especially like the last decade, how it's been and how, how football is being perceived in Canada. Um, and I, I knew that, you know, in order for our league to move forward in the right way and with the right momentum, there needed to be a team that beats an MLS team because I know that's like a big stigma. Um, even... You know, um, from the outside, you know, being from England, I know I've always wondered how comes there's free MLS teams um, who are from Canada. Can't they just create a league? I always like thought about that, and um, you know, and ever since being here, I know that it's a it's a it's a big hot topic. You know, um, MLS is considered a tier above. Uh, let's say, for example, our league. And um, I know that, um, yeah, as I said, in the right momentum um, for the league to move forward, someone had to beat them. And we had the perfect opportunity in the, um, in, in the tie that we were given, just simply for the fact that they weren't doing that well um, during the time in the season. Um, in the first leg, you know, it was a bit cagey where they I think they were cagey as well. Um, they were coming to our pitch. Um, there was a lot of talk about our pitch and everything like that and um, I wouldn't say they are pre-Madonnas in terms of that respect but, you know, if you're if you're a, a team that believes in themselves, it doesn't matter where you go um, and you especially if you consider yourself a tier above um, our league, you, you should come to our place and like wipe the floor with us but that didn't happen. So when it was nil-nil, that's when I would say we got them and I think that's when like I think we believed and they kind of had in the back of their head, you know, they could lose this game and we had in our head, we're going to win this game. Um, but just in terms of the game, yeah, great spectacle uh, for us having all our fans there. And yeah, for me just to, to score that early on, I think it kind of calmed us a lot um, and it kind of took. Like any pressure that anyone had um, off us, because you know, for the rest of the game, we're we're, we're thinking to ourselves: now they got to score two goals to win the game, and the whole season, I don't think how many teams scored two or more goals on us uh, in a single game. I don't think I think one team last season. I can't even remember. I think one team. So I think the the faith we had in our defense i didn't see them winning from the moment we scored to be honest
0: yeah it definitely uh sounds like it was an all kind of fashioned fa cup game you know <laughs> yeah it's like a Premier League team playing against like a, a team from uh like league one or something like that just going to the the small ground and like not being up for it kind of thing so you guys were definitely up for it um so, like uh, Corey Bent, who plays for the Wanderers, uh, he's from he's from England as well. And he yeah, said yeah. the hardest part, the hardest uh, part of life in Canada as a player, he says, is the, the travel. And it took him a while to adapt. to it. how have you adapted to it?
1: Yeah, um, for me, it's something that I've never done before ever in my life. Um, I've been playing football for yeah all my life and um, been playing like professionally for. I made my debut when I was 18, but in terms of a professional setup, like, since I was, like, 16, and I've never experienced anything like it, to be honest. Um, In England, like, you probably are familiar how it is, you know, you take a bus, a coach down the country or up the country, and you're on it for, like, maybe five hours maximum, six hours maximum, Um, or you take a train. Nowadays, a lot of teams take trains and things like that, um which is like even quicker. Um so for me getting on planes and everything, at first it was cool, but after a while it got a bit um yeah, it got a bit tiring, you know. But um that's something that you got you just gotta adapt to because it's the same for everyone, right? So um it was a very new experience for me. Um, traveling a lot, pretty much to every away game. Um, but like I said, yeah, it's for every team, so it's not like uh, one team, you know, plays at home every game, and everyone has to travel to them. It's every team, so it's something you got to get used to.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you don't want to get the bus from Calgary to
1: Halifax. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, one flight, one flight. Actually, um, we were, we we played. Um, I can't remember. I think we played somebody. And we were traveling to Halifax. like So it was like a double away header for us. And um, we are traveling to Halifax on like a small plane. And it was like two seats each side, right? And um, that was like probably the worst flight I've ever been on. Um, turbulence. You couldn't see outside your window. Um, the, or- the sky was orange. The, the landing, we couldn't even see when we landed. So like we literally saw probably 10 meters before we landed. And then we were thinking what was that did we hit something or and then obviously the guy um the pilot was like yeah we just landed i was like oh thank god but um yeah i don't know yeah halifax is a nice place though it's it's a beautiful place like i think um other than calgary it's probably there's a, there's a lot actually there's a lot of cities in in canada i'd say vancouver the Nova Nova Scotia area and Calgary probably my favorite cities in Canada I've been to the the wanderer set up that last leg of the floofy that way man
3: just take kind on of <laughs> your head <up>. so <laughs> i
1: know i know probably yeah
3: he uh, got the Calgary. he got the true scotian travel though
2: yeah um this is uh going back to uh, Chris's question because you you were discussing uh against making history for the club in Calgary uh you scored a first Goal in the home opener against York, if I'm not mistaken. But then yeah. you were also the first player from Calvary to make history in scoring against an MLS team, against mm-hmm. uh, the White Cups. Uh I think it was a uh, Leatherwood assist. I think yeah, yeah. Uh, he was on the right on the right lane, just going forward. And then I think you had like two defenders, and you kind of like dribble one, and one was in front of you, and then you shoot. Can you tell us more, like, what happened about that goal? Because I think that was perfectly executed. It seems like Tommy Wilder Jr. was making practice with you guys, like, kind of, like, plays like that. If you can just share more information about that, uh, how how special it was for you.
1: Well, leading up to the game, um, I remember it was, like, a day before the game, two days before the game. We were on the pitch uh, preparing um on their pitch and there was a lot of pre- preparation in terms of uh what do we do when we don't have the ball. So um I knew my job as a striker, you know, obviously you've got to hold up the ball, um, got to make runs, etc. But in terms of um, you know, in terms of when the, the ball is more down um our end of the pitch and um we're trying to win the ball back I just got to be basically in english in england sorry how we say it, on your bike so um i just got to be on my bike um ready for um, a counter-attack moment because you know we're away from home we might not have as much as the ball as we would like so um that that goal doesn't happen if you know ledge doesn't kind of it was like he Ledge is a player, he'll scare you. In a tackle, he'll scare you, you know? Like he's that <laughs> aggressive type of player. But um no, he played the ball forward and um that goal doesn't happen if I'm not alert to it, you know. So um yeah, I remember I made the run and at the time I was thinking, yeah, if I do if I score here, I'm gonna do well, you know, because at the time there was like two of them. But um, yeah. <laughs> normally what happens in, in those type of situations as a striker. As long as you kind of hold up the ball and the team gets up with you, then you've done well, you know. But um, as soon as the defender, I kind of, you know, dropped my shoulder. So I think the defender's thinking that I'm going to either shoot or take it past him. So he slid, but he mistimed it. And then from there, I was like, oh, like I'm through on goal, you know, type of thing. And it bounced. So normally I'm, I'm, you know, it depends what kind of mode you are in as a striker. If you have the most confidence and um, you believe in yourself at the time, everyone goes through things, right, um, in terms of your season and, and stuff like that. But it's just in that moment, I had the mentality of like a of a shock. Like I just wanted to attack. So I, the ball was bouncing and I was thinking, shall I hit it? And I said, I, I'm going to hit it. And then I hit it. And it was an awkward bounce, but just some... Yeah it just worked out for me you know the way the ball bounced and then I hit it and then it went in the top corner like yeah now I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's it's lucky because those are the things that you practice you know but in terms of like how everything worked out like I needed luck for that to happen like it, it, normally those situations don't end up in goals you know they end up with they could end up with a cross and then a goal maybe I hold it up and then I, I pass it back to somebody and they cross it in or something like that um, but in terms of that, I wasn't expecting when Ledge passed me the ball. But
2: Yeah, that was a great goal because I think like Ledge has like three players on him. <laughs> he just like yeah, yeah. Uh, look at you and then he just like chip it to you and then you do the rest. I, I think it was, was a great goal and uh, again, history. And speaking of a little bit of history, um, just wanted to ask you, you're an international player. You play in Germany, you play in England. Uh, mm-hmm what do you think uh besides being competitive i canadian needs to improve their games i mean like to be more competitive to 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 reach out to that level are
1: are you talking about in terms of how the team is talking about on the pitch
2: on the pitch like what what the canadian what the canadian game the canadian style needs you you you're an international player coming from like two powerhouses of football that is germany and England, you play there. So as as your expertise, as, as being a former player, what do you think the, uh, the Canadian game needs to improve?
1: Me personally, um, I would say there's a lot of talented players here. You know, there's a lot of players who have like a lot of good attributes, you know, um, I would say things that Canadians need. I would say two things kind of come to my head you touched on it um, in terms of compet- competitiveness. I think that's something that you kind of learn as you get older. Um, or, yeah, some people learn it when they get older, but I think it's always best to learn it when you're younger. So, in terms of, you know, I hear like rules in, in Canada that if you're beating a team by five goals, then it's 5 nil, And if you go 6 nil, then it's still 5 nil. So I think like things like that need to change, you know? Um, like, <laughs> like, it's a real nice.
3: thing, Anthony. Like, my godson's league, it's, it's four oh, yeah. goals. It's a four goal. It's four goals. So if that you're... Mercy
1: rule.
3: Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a mercy rule. So if you're up 4-0 and you score the fifth, you actually have to take a player off. So you can still score, but you have wow. to take a player... So you have to play a man down.
0: West Ham could have done that a few times, huh?
1: <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> West, West Ham at, at home, though, they were the team. They were the team, like, well, I think just away from home, they just struggled a bit. But, yeah, going back to your point, um, yeah, like, that rule, like, I've heard, like, lots of stories um, from teammates, uh, coaches I've spoken to and and things like that about how it's done in uh, Canada with, like, soccer here, youth soccer. Um, example, I heard a story where one player, he was, like, the best player on the pitch, and they were killing the other team. And then the manager or the coach, and um, he told him, don't score anymore. And that doesn't make any sense to me because, uh, number one, I'm a striker. Number two, I'm a competitor. I want to win. So um, to tell a player, don't score anymore, just because he's scoring every goal, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think like you should put restrictions on him. Let's say, for example, if he's if it's too easy for him, then you should be like, You can only dribble with your left foot if he's right-footed. You can only score with your left foot if he's right-footed, for example. Or you have to play, like, one and two-touch now. Like, those are the type of things that uh, coaches um, did to me when I was younger. Um, I remember when I was younger, I was like a – yeah, I was a talent type of thing. And um, it was kind of easy for me at times. And then I remember one game – uh, Liam Brady used to be my uh, academy director and he said to me one game, I think I scored like three goals or something. He said, go centre-back and try score from centre-back, but don't concede a goal basically. So those are the type of things that kind of teach you, you know, the fundamentals about football. Um, so I'd say that comes into being like too nice, you know, Canadians, or maybe it's a gift and a curse, like too nice, you know, Um and on the pitch, you can't be nice. You gotta be like a competitor. Um, and then the second thing I would say is um I would say probably expressing themselves a bit more on the pitch. So um I wanna see maybe in Canada a few more Tristan Borgers come out of Canada. I think is is cap- more than capable. Um, but I think more players you just you just watch them and they just play with that freedom. And um They play with that flair and that technical ability, I think. Probably those two things, I would say.
3: I want to touch back, um, just back to you coming over to Canada real quick before we talk about the the days past that you were just leading into. Um, One of the things that I was really intrigued by with the Canadian Premier League was that there's multiple different surfaces in the league. I was wondering what your experience was playing on turf or playing on different styles of grass. I know that you were played in England and you played in Germany and you played, I think, in the Czech Republic as well. Um, Did you have any at all experience with the turf and how was that adjustment for you?
1: Yeah, so in England, how it went was uh, back in like youth days and stuff. So I'm talking about when I was in school and stuff. So before 16, uh, we predominantly trained on turf um especially okay. training sessions um so that was that's it's quite normal to me it's not like okay. it's foreign or anything um and i think okay. most clubs at that age train on turf um but when you get to 16 and above um especially like you it's implemented in you like every single game is on grass that that's like that's like probably number one rule <laughs> in terms of like, there's 11 men on the pit, 11 men um, on one team, 11 men on the other team and a referee. And then there's grass, like type yeah. of thing. So, and from 16 and up, um, when I went to West Ham, I don't think I trained on, I'm trying to recall. I think I trained on turf like once or twice for my three year period, I was there. So that that wasn't, yeah. So then grass became like the normal, Um, training and playing and then it kind of differed again when I went to uh, Germany where I think um, half and half of my training sessions were on turf and half were on um, half were on grass but we never ever played on uh, turf only in pre-season because maybe the pitches were you know they still had snow on it and stuff Um, I think that's probably the biggest I, I can't really put the blame on you know canada for that um playing on turf i think it's just down to like their their landscape and where the country is you know in the world so they can't really do too much about it um it's just that you know like i don't know how you would find a way around that but yeah um i'm i'm not really not really too familiar like with playing matches real matches on on grass i think yeah this is the first ever like professional game organized game I've played on on turf
3: you are in Arsenal youth you were in the academy during the transition years and uh, my brother he's a big Arsenal fan so he made sure that I had to ask you a couple of these questions so uh, the, (laughs) the the first one is a quick and easy one did you ever have any interactions with Mr Arsene Wenger and question number two from him is who are the the guys that you played with growing up that have that um, I guess reputation nowadays that we're watching every day?
1: Um, so to begin with your first question, sorry to yep. uh, disappoint you. No. <laughs> okay, that's all good. That's all good, bro. That's all good. I, I, I was I was very young when I left. Yep. Um, I was only 16. Um, yep. But um, in terms of like him watching our games, like he's watched my games before and he's been on the sidelines and things like that. Um, he's probably watched a handful of our games. Um, I've played in um, and the players I've played with yeah like yeah, still it's weird at the time because you don't really realise it but because um, it's normal back then but yeah the players I've played with um, names to mention uh, Alex Owobi he plays for Everton yep me, me and him played for England together um, I think he assisted like my first goal for England we played together oh, for wow. Like, youth. um like went on tours together. Um, he's like, in England, how it works is like, um, is September to August born. Um, but when you go abroad, um, you do it by your year group. So you go to your year group. So you'll have like half older players and half younger players, if that makes sense. So yeah, I was a 96, yeah. I'm November. So I'm, in my school year, I'm, um, I'm one of the oldest because September is the oldest in my school year. Um, and they—that's how you play, right? So you play in your school year when you're in the academy system. But like when you go to like play in tournaments, let's say for example against like a Barcelona or something, then you play in your year group. So that's ninety-six. So I was then one of my—I was then one of the younger players because I'm born in November. So that's the end of the year, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, me and Alex, we we play together a lot. I used to I used to play up age groups, so we played together in that regard. Um, Serge Gnabry he's at Bayern Munich I played, I played with him I, I was fortunate enough like I said I played like a couple years above my age and we have an England like FA Youth Cup so um, that's pretty much the only games he used to come down and play for because he was also playing year up as well and things like that um, he was with the first team at the time but he would always get um, brought down to play like important matches Um Guy called Chuba Akpom. He pa, Pauk, is it? I can't remember. Yeah, name. I think so. Yeah, he played P A O K. Okay, know yeah, name I, I, name. I knew who you meant. Yeah, <laughs> in, in Greece, um, Isaac Hayden. He plays for Newcastle. Um, he's a centre back for Newcastle or, or holding midfielder. I was gonna say more names, but like no, yeah, that's you, you. You probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't know the others, but they they all have good careers, like. Everyone in, uh, in in that team had like they've gone on to do decent for themselves.
3: So. And you have yourself, brother, and you have yourself. Don't shortchange yourself, man. Like the fellows have yeah. been saying, you're making you're making some history here in Canada and you never know, man. Maybe the dice will roll one day and you'll end up alongside those guys at some point too. So you'll never know, man. You never know.
1: I've seen I've seen weirder things in football, so you never Amen,
3: know. Amen, man. Amen. It's the truth.
1: My
0: my Irish friends uh will not forgive me for asking this, so I know you said that you uh played under Liam Brady. How much of an influence was he on your career?
1: Yeah, Liam, um, you know, it's it's he made me realise quick that there's like levels in football, you know? You know, just knowing how he was as a player and, you know, at the time he was playing, especially in like we're here talking about turf. Liam Brady would have loved to play on turf. He would have probably looked like Messi on <laughs> turf, you know. Um, so the the facilities like those guys were playing on with like the grass being bumpy, like you've got to take extra touches and uh, people trying to snap your legs off in tackles and things like that. Like yeah, like um, we had a lot of respect for him um, and kind of what he said. We, we took it with, you know, we took it as gospel. So yeah, that that was that was good. For me to have at a young age, and you know, he made me realize like there's there's level to the there's levels to the game, and you know, I always realized from him the way he sees the game is a bit different. So I think that's why he was like very good at being um, academy director as towards being a coach, because as a coach, I could probably see him getting very frustrated quickly, you know. Um, but as a, like a, a boss kind of thing it was good because he was ruthless and he could pick out good players from not good players if that makes sense so he was very ruthless and he'll tell you how it is man um I remember the first time (laughs) I met him uh I don't think I've said this story before but yeah the first time I met him I'll never forget it so um before I I wasn't doing too well I was like 11 12 yeah I wasn't really doing too well I think they were looking at like releasing me and stuff and then when I got to like 12 and 13 something just happened like I think hit like a growth spurt and started doing well, playing up age groups and stuff. And um, I was doing well in one pitch and he was watching like the under 14 game or something. They told me to come over to the under 14 pitch. And um, that happens a lot in academies where you play like a half and one age group and then you play another. So then I came on and just before I was coming on um, at the time, I was a bit chubby, you know, I, as I said, I was going through like a growth spurt and then he was like, who's this? fat kid like type of thing he didn't know me and he was like who's this who's this fat kid and then I was like like obviously I'm 12 It, it, it really did hit me type of thing but um after that I think that gave me the motivation you know um to really like shed off the pounds and I did after that um, which was good, and then, yeah, from from then on, like my youth career kind of excelled from there. So, yeah, that was my first encounter with him. He was very ruthless.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a pundit on uh, telly in in Ireland, so um, yeah, we've all heard we've all heard how ruthless <laughs> he can be, man. To be honest, um, yeah, yeah. so so you moved, you moved to uh, as you mentioned there, you moved to to West Ham from from Arsenal. Like, how difficult was it to? to move from the Arsenal set up to, to, to go to West Ham?
1: Yeah, at the time, um, I was like the top guy in my age group. Um, you know, like they offered me a, a, what people would deem as like a good deal at the time. Like I, I got a professional contract with them. But I just thought at the time, there was a lot of good players ahead of me who are older than me. And I've seen it happen like years and years happened um, before, from before myself where there was good players who just didn't make it, you know, Um, and they faded out the game just simply for the fact that someone else kind of had a little bit of control ahead of them, you know, Um, where maybe they put in performances, but there's a lot of politics where, you know, players have to play and a lot of foreigners get brought in. So that was another thing. I I didn't really know what was going to happen when, you know, I move up. So... I wanted to make sure I have a bit of security within myself. And West Ham, they promised me that I would be like the main guy for under-18 football, and then they would try to push me up to like the under-23 team, um, which is basically uh, like a reserve team. And um, I went with that option instead, and they had to pay a fee, West Ham. And yeah, moving to West Ham, I knew it was always going to be a bit difficult because, you know, new club, I've always been at Arsenal my whole life ever since I, you know, could get into academy Um, and then I knew like the style of football would have been completely different. Arsenal, you know, they have the best young players in the country so you're winning like every week type of thing. I knew maybe that wouldn't happen and maybe now I've got to like show my other attributes a bit more um, and kind of improve on that. So, I think the transition, it kind of took me a while. In the first from august to december i was with the under 18s and i only scored like i think it was like three goals as in under 18 football and i played like 15 games so it took me a long time to adapt in that regard but they stuck with me and then in the new year um, i joined in 2013 and in 2014 january the rest of the season i scored like 12 goals from there so it, it goes to show like you know if um uh, if you put in the hard work, you get your your rewards and that's what happened. So with with uh with West Ham,
0: um I know you you were kinda in and around the the first team squad for yeah. a while. I think was it Slavin Bilic who brought you <laughs> in to, to the squads?
1: Yeah, so um at the time I made my debut on the Slavin Bilic, Um at the time West Ham, they qualified like in the Europa qualifying, um, Europa League qualifying um, through fair play. So they got like the least amount of yellow cards that season, which people would say that's surprising with West Ham, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> but Yeah. But, um yeah, they, they qualified through fair play and they kind of wanted to make a, like a mixed squad where they have a few experienced players and they kind of, put um who they deemed to be like their best young players in the in in the squad and um, i was fortunate enough to get put in that um through you know who was at west Ham at the time the technical directors who was running the academy and stuff like that uh ended up making my debut in the third leg of Yeah, in the third leg of uh, the qualifying. So we were in the last round of the qualifying and I came on um, with 10 minutes to go and we were like needing a goal. So if we scored, we would have gone through, but we didn't manage to score. So we got knocked out. It was like a bit of sweet feeling because I made my debut, but we got knocked out and there was a lot of like backlash and criticism with uh, the young lads at the time. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, first time for me anyway on that magnitude, having to deal with like a lot of comments, um, things like that. Um, but I knew that to only take it with a pinch of salt because at the end of the day, you know, the old, I well, me being kind of older now, it's the older guy's responsibility to take over in that situation, you know, and um, make the younger guys look better. Um, but yeah, it just didn't happen. So, like,
0: uh, Stavon Bilic always kind of looked like kind of eccentric. Uh, like, I saw him <laughs> on TV a few times, like uh, when he's a pundit for BBC. Was he that eccentric?
1: Yeah, like, um, what you mean in terms of like animated or in terms of like? um you're just, what? just crazy or real, man. To be honest with you, no. Oh, so oh, I'll no. tell you
0: what.
1: So, so I tell you what. Um, Slaven Bilic, he he what he is he was um is like uh, I don't know if you're watching like the Last Dance documentary, um at the moment, yep. but he, he was he, uh, he reminds me very similar to Phil Jackson. Uh, Phil Jackson, very similar to oh, that. Yeah? yeah, very similar. So. In terms of the stories I've heard from Phil Jackson, in terms of, like, very mellow, laid-back type of guy where, like, you love this guy, like, like you want to play for him type of thing. Um, and he, he's into, like, that type... He's into that music, that indie music and everything. Like that. I think he even... Um, if I can remember, I think he even played or, like, I don't know, played an instrument on things like that. He loved that type of music. Um, but, like, if it could go off and, you know he was mad at you, then you would know about it. That's (laughs) really what I remember from, but I think that's like the perfect combination, you know, um, in terms of a manager, like those managers where, you know, when it's time to chill out and time to have fun and everything like that, then they can do it. Um, that obviously gets the players on board and gets the players, players, um, you know, the camaraderie going, but, um, obviously at the end of the day the bottom line is you need to be uh good with your tactics and your knowledge of the game but yeah in terms of like if he wanted to turn up the heat yeah obviously he could but it's like every manager really isn't it
0: a big time Uh, he seems scary like he's a big a big guy too um carlos you had another question here man sorry
2: yeah uh uh Jordan, I got a question for you, since we're talking about your memories with West Ham. I just more like a personal uh, question. Um, how was your experience by sharing the local room with players like Andy Carroll and the Ecuadorian Ener Valencia?
1: Yeah. Um... Uh, first thing that came to mind Andy Carroll funny story um so I was never actually in the locker room permanently um for the first team I was only with the first team either if I got called to train with them I'd still be in my locker room and how it would work is you train at pretty much the same place um so then you just go to their pitch um or you do like um a warm-up with them and then you know be in with them so i wasn't in the locker room so to speak with those guys but i trained with them a lot of times and um now andy carroll he he was another one and he he was actually very nice to me you know like he helped me a lot um he would talk he would talk to me like just little pointers and things like that um asking me how i'm doing which a lot of pros they they don't really do that at the top level um well or well, at that level anyway, in the Premier League. But um, there was one time where um, it was a few of us training with the first team. And um, it was like a day where, you know, the subs don't play or something like that. So I can't remember if he wasn't in the team and he was a bit angry anyway, or he was just coming back from injury. It was one of the two. But um, we were doing like a possession game. And um, the guy who I like roomed with at West Ham um he's like a cheeky guy <laughs> and uh, he's a bit flary <laughs> and everything. And he nutmegged him and like went round him and then he started laughing. <laughs> <And> wow. <laughs> when he did that, then like I kind of stopped and was like, what are you doing? You know, cause Andy Carroll is a big man. Like I don't think, I don't think I've played. Well, I don't think I have played trained with anyone who's been that big. I can remember he's a big lad. Like Strong, strong, like an ox, jumped the highest um actually a good first touch as well, um but like a big lad, and um he wasn't scared to to be in a fight, and um what happened after that is he grabbed him and he said, uh a couple words, you know, I can't really repeat on here and,
0: uh, of course you can. tell us you you honestly could on this
3: show, bro
1: yeah <laughs> yeah um well he dropped he said you you little uh, c c word um
2: <laughs> and then
1: um he was like who who da, do you think you are and then um he grabbed him and it was the funniest thing ever because obviously i'm in the middle and i was like there at the time so i tried to like break it up but like it was so awkward because Andy Carroll's six foot five, and then my friend, um, his name is Jair. He's about five foot five or five foot six. <laughs> so, like a foot difference, and um, yeah, he's he's basically he's basically yeah, trying to kill him, like really trying to kill him. And then he got he got the my friend he got the bad end of the stick being a young player. Everyone saying you can't do that. Come on, you should know better. Um, so that's the story of Andy Carroll. Uh, Enna Valencia, very nice guy. Couldn't really speak too good English, so I never spoke to him. I only said like hi and stuff, of hi and bye with him. But I just remember like, um, he's probably one of the most, I would say inconsistent players I've kind of trained with in terms of one day he could look like Ronaldo and then the other day he's like, shooting it over the bar and everything like that. Um, so, like, you know, you've probably seen a few of his goals where they've gone top corner. Um, I would say that comes down to, like, just him being audacious and he can, he'll can he try anything, you know. he's will try to shoot from anywhere, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it didn't come off and it looked really bad, but sometimes it, it looked really good. Um, and he kind of reminds me of, like, it's weird, his his style of play. He kind of reminds me of, like, Mane, how Mane plays. Like, he looks... Unclean when he plays, but he's actually a good player, you know, Um, when he dribbles at you and um, he goes past you and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's my two experiences with them, too.
2: Well, that's great. Those are great stories. Great stories.
3: Uh, You have something, Chris? I know that your first year in Canada last year, first year of the league last year. Were you always planning on coming back this season? Were there options to go elsewhere? And I guess as a follow-up to that, how hard has it been kind of keeping fit or has Tommy kind of kept you guys on your toes in seclusion?
1: Okay, so um, in terms of coming back, yeah, that was always in my head, especially it doesn't matter what my contract situation would have been. and Losing the final, um, I always wanted to like go again, especially with this team and um, try redeem basically what we didn't achieve. Yeah. Um, And just add on to what we achieved last year. Um, I had a a option, um, clubs option, so they took that up. And okay, okay, yeah, more than happy to. Was more than happy to be here another year. So in my head, I I was planning in my head anyway to be here for two years um, to really like you know put uh, cement something down in terms of with the club and um, achieving a lot of things. Um, So no, I wasn't planning to go anywhere. In terms of your second question, trying to keep fit during this time and, you know, we have workouts to do. We get on Zoom calls and things like that you probably heard about already. And we have our own, like, individual programs to do. So in terms of, like, you know, in Canada, it's not so strict in terms of lockdown where you can actually go outside. You know, it's not like you can't go outside. So if you want to do a bit of ball work on your own, you can. But like, in terms of like meeting up with your teammates and stuff, now nah, you can't do that. Only, you know, a certain, um, a few of the lads, they live together. So, you know, they've been meeting up. Well, they don't have to meet up. They live together, sorry. So they, yeah, like, still keeping distance to me and distance in public. But, you know, they live together. So I guess they are allowed to like kick a ball to each other back and forth. But in terms of like, um, you know, everyone else who lives alone, now we've just been, you know, self quarantining.
2: Uh, Jordan, what are your yep. top three players that you admire in your position, currently or ever? Could could be currently or before,
1: up to you. Okay, uh, I'll give I'll give I'll give both. Uh, ever, I would say um, R nine, Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo. I would say Wayne Rooney, and I would say Thierry Henry. Um, now I would say Aguero, I would say Lewandowski, and I would say Benzema. Nice. No
2: hurricane.
1: <laughs> no hurricane. No hurricane, <laughs> Anthony. Sorry, he didn't. He so, uh... didn't square the ball
0: to Raheem Sterling. <laughs> oh <laughs> man! Don't remind me. Oh. <laughs> So if you had a uh, if you were gonna play a, a five side so tournament, uh, the players that you played
1: with, who'd be on your five side so team? Funny enough, I made this the other day, so it's quite easy um, to actually do. So it, some of them is based on name, um, and some of them is based on in terms of you know just like who I thought was the best, but maybe they're underrated or whatever. So in goal, I would have um, I would have Angus Gunn. I made a mistake saying um, another keeper I played with in my youth days at Arsenal, uh, being Joshua Vickers. Like he's he's a he's a great goalkeeper, but I forgot that with when I played for England, I played with Angus Gunn. So I'll say him. Um, and then I would have as a center back, but this guy can also play, you know, holding midfield, a guy called Yannick Backman, uh, when I played in Germany. Like, in my opinion, this guy should be playing, like, at, at the top level. Like, I don't know how he's not. He's playing in the second Bundesliga, but still a good level. But I think he should be playing higher, in my opinion. He's, like, one of the best players I've played with. It just makes the game look so easy as a centre-back. And, you know, in the, in the air, he wins every header he gets in yeah he's just he does everything to be honest and then i had lanzini manuel lanzini he's he at west ham he plays um for argentina as well i played with him in uh well for the under 23s he he started with the under 23s at west ham and then he moved up to the first team they brought him in as a first team player essentially but he actually made like his first games with West Ham playing for the under 23s and also I played with him on my debut as well so him and then I said who did I say oh yeah so I remember now I said on the left um I had Joe Cole I played with him in another under 23 game at West Ham and um of course he was past it but in terms of like the name and in terms of who he, he was and what he did in the Premier League, I could never, yeah, he's he's probably the best player I've like, played with, who's had the best career, you know? Um, so Joe Cole, and then up top, uh, I'll go Sergio uh, Serge Gnabry, even though he's not really a striker, but had to put him in there. Jeez, that's
0: that's some team, isn't it? I think yeah. I think he's might have a, I think he's might have a chance of winning that to be honest. Really? Um, oh, yeah, cool. I, th- I think I think, a, I think that's a pretty good team. Uh, Joe Cole, of course, known here in North America for playing for the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Rowdies. Yeah, yeah. yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so who who is your favorite team as a kid? Man United. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ.
3: Wow.
0: <laughs> I'm texting my brother right now. I yeah. saw I saw you uh, I saw you wearing the kit on that Calvary video that they did for you like,
1: uh, about your journey or something like that I was like no hope oh you yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 yeah." No, um, so I was a rebel when I was a kid obviously saying that <laughs> I'm from London I support Man United and my my dad and my brother <laughs> my older brother they both sport Chelsea so yeah I just went I went against the grain
0: well most Man United fans aren't from Manchester anyway so uh i've got cousins in manchester (laughs) oh jeez okay (laughs) Man United fans are awesome and they're mostly from manchester (laughs) Uh,
1: so uh favorite ground you played on are we gonna say with fans or without fans because i played like in youth games like in a lot of youth games at like good stadiums but there was no fans there because it's like an academy game but
0: for like for you like for like you enjoyed it like whatever you think is the best
1: like whether there was an atmosphere or not Uh, okay um i would say without fans i would say it's got to be the emirates um just simply for the fact like how the stadium looks and like when you're on the pitch you don't realize like you're thinking if this place was full like it would just be crazy you know playing on this pitch um just the way, like, the pitches and the grass is spotless. And, yeah, it's, like, the best grass I've ever played on. Um, so without fans, I'll say um, Emirates Stadium. But with, with fans and, you know, I, I hope you would appreciate, you know, like, me saying this, like, because I've been honest, quite honest today. But I would <laughs> actually say Cavalry, like, in terms of how different it is to play at a place like that, you know. I would say I've played at bigger stadiums with fans and, or like more fans than at Cavalry. But in terms of like, yeah, in terms of like the atmosphere, when everything gets going and just how the pitch setup is, and uh, yeah, I can just imagine how it could be in like 10, 20 years or something. And if you get all four sides around and everything, that would be like, it'd probably be a scary place for a lot of teams to go to. Especially now, like, thinking, even walking out at the final, you know, in my head, I had, in my head, like, I was thinking, looking at the fans, I was thinking, there's no way that we can lose today. Like, just look at what's going on, you know? Like, Forge must be in their pants. They must be... (laughs) That's what I was thinking at the time, but, um, yeah, so... I, I would say like I would say the I would say the I would say the yeah I would say Cavalry to be honest like in terms of how different experience I've had coming here and playing here I'd say Cavalry to be honest like with fans yeah. yeah I would just have to go with my man Chris Brown Chris Brown is straight just, up I, I think he's I think he's like a sensation like one in a generation type artist but a lot of people don't pre- appreciate him because of you know some past mistakes and things like that but yeah in terms of, like, music-wise and, like, rhythm to it is, I think Chris Brown. So any Chris Brown song, yeah. That's awesome, awesome. we listen to. Pre-game meal, day before or morning of? So in the morning, I probably go with, like, a bowl of oats, probably, and then probably put, like, banana in it, a few other things, granola. Or something like that like just like to, or nuts not granola but nuts like something yep. in my in my bowl of oats um just before a game if we're not away and we're at home it's kind of cliche but I'll just go with pasta to be honest
2: you gotta boost those carbs you know you're gonna burn a lot of energy so it's so a solid choice
3: hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. pre-game superstition do you got a ritual? Or do you got a habit that you do before games? Like, I was just a weird one. Left stuff went on before the right stuff. Is there some mm-hmm. sort of pregame ritual that you kind of have done from the very beginning of time, or you just kind of wing it?
1: Yeah, so um, in terms of, in terms of like, getting ready and everything, I, I, I tend to, especially last year as well, before leaving the house, I would always have, like, a schedule, so... Um, it would always be like within the hour of of me actually leaving the house, I would start doing stuff. So within an hour, uh, I would eat and then I would go shower and then I would get changed and then I would do all of that. And then that all takes place in the hour before I'm leaving. And then going to the game, yeah, quite normal in terms of like listening to music and stuff. Um, in the locker room, uh, one thing that I always do and I don't know why I do it, is, like, I I stretch out my socks. But the way I do it is, like, don't know where this started. Maybe because, like, you know, when I was younger, we used to get given uh, short socks, like, socks yeah. that are not really expandable. So I'd grab two ends of the sock, and then I'll just, like, stretch, stretch it them from side, yeah. to, from side to side. And um, it doesn't matter if I still got long socks, Someone gives me long socks. I'm always doing that. And like <laughs> With that, I'm kind of stretching my lats and my back and everything like that. So, yeah, that's like something I do. And uh, I think even someone asked me that last season, why do you do that? And I was just like, I don't know, just do it. Before every game, yeah. Like I was just stretch out my socks.
3: It's a true superstition. You don't think about it. It just kind of happens. It's part of the routine. And it, exactly. it just kind of is part of the mode. Like you said, even that hour before a game thing, even... When I was coaching last couple of years, coaching basketball, I would always kind of rush myself to get ready because I found I focused more when I was in a rush. So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, think too much.
3: Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, that's that's it for me, man. Uh, again, Jordan, appreciate you, man. This has been one of my favorite interviews
1: since I started doing this with Anthony. So, I appreciate you guys having me on, and um, it's actually quite cool what you guys are doing in terms of like even in terms of like podcasts and. Um, people who've asked me to come on things. This is like being the most <laughs> kind of laid-back type of scenery um, that I've done so far. So uh, credit to you guys and keep doing what you're doing. Just before I sign out, I got like a, I got a brand uh, for footballers. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's called go Forty Two Five Eight on all platforms, um, which I just started up. So uh, if you go on Forty Two Five Eight on all platforms, uh, it's, just, it's basically for advice for. You know, younger players um, coming up in the game um, from a lot of professionals. Some that I've just mentioned, you can go see them on there. And we do many things like interviews and, you know, advice and, you know, things like that. So health tips, uh, training videos, things like that. So, yeah, go check it out. And uh, where can people find you on social media, Jordan? My social media is, uh, I don't have Twitter um, I only have uh, I have a Facebook page which I interact with, like supporters, cavalry supporters, and stuff like that. Um, that's called Jordan Antonio Brown. Alongside my Instagram is also Jordan Antonio Brown. So yeah, man, thank you so much for uh,
0: for doing this. We really appreciate it. Hopefully, this. Craziness is all over soon, and we'll see in Halifax
1: where you'll get hammered by the Wanderers. So. Yeah. Listen, we we gave we gave Halifax a run for their money last year. You know they had a good record, but you know it's just some <laughs> just for some reason when we came into town, I don't know, it just got a bit different.
3: That's us, brother. Yeah. That's us, man. We we try to be the extra man. Like you guys got Tommy wielding, and we got six thousand Wanderers fans.
1: <laughs> nah, your 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 fans your fans are like. A very very close second to our fans i' would say in in the league very very close second it's not it's not it's few and far uh, between yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm sure they'll uh, they'll be they'll
0: appreciate you saying that they're the best fans in the league because that's the way I'm going to edit it.
3: So, you yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, Jordan is right. Like the the cavalry experience. I think was it. I don't know if it was Denton or Covey who was talking about like how Atco Field is set up and just like the the experience and and just like the way it's set up, the atmosphere. It's something that I want to experience myself. So. I can I can definitely appreciate what Jordan's saying that the fans kind of match the ambiance. So yeah,
0: uh, man, we'll we'll uh, we'll see you when uh, when
1: you're in town. Yeah, see you see you guys then, and try be easy on me. Last time uh, someone called me a, a West Ham reject, so I know who did too. Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's guys, man
3: oh man oh that's awesome that's awesome okay jordan you take care brother man much love take it easy buddy
0: the second part of the show is sponsored by the armchair commentary podcast recorded right here in halifax nova scotia join co-host dave smith and mr baseball himself steve Steele, as they talk all things baseball nfl and ice hockey the armchair commentary is available wherever you get your podcasts We are honoured to be joined by Montreal Impact player um, Joel Waterman. Welcome to the show, man. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Um, so, uh, first question I have for you is: uh, Calvary had announced that you would be returning for them this year, and then suddenly <laughs> you were announced to be a Montreal Impact player. How did yeah. how did all the, how did that whirlwind happen?
4: <laughs> yeah, it was a funny story. Actually, it was. Uh obviously we had a run against the Montreal Impact in the Canadian championship, um, kind of halfway through my season with Cavalry. but I was injured. I broke my toe. So I was out six weeks and I actually didn't play against Montreal. So that was kind of the funny part of it. And then, you know, I knew once I put together a, you know, a good back half of the season, there would be some eyes on us just based on our results against the white caps. And, you know, so I kept that in mind the rest of the season. And I think it was about the end of December. And I saw some rumors kind of go up on, on Instagram and Twitter and some fans messaging me and asking if I was going to leave Cavalry and and things of that sort. And I had no idea what they're talking about. So I, uh, I went on Twitter and kind of saw the rumors and, and some stuff put out by, you know, different accounts from Montreal. And and, uh, it was the first time I was hearing about it. Um, Tommy Wielding, my my, um, old manager at, at Cavalry FC and or Montreal, no one told me anything. So, um, it was kind of funny that way. And then the kind of rumors died off, um, over the la- over the next two weeks after that. Um, so I kind of thought it was just, you know, white noise and stuff, you know, popping up on social media. And then I decided to give, give Tommy a call a couple weeks later just to see if there's any validity to, to any of the rumors that were, were posted. And he said, um, funny enough, the, the rumors are actually true, I guess. I don't know how they found yeah. out, but they were actually in negotiations with Montreal in the off season and then basically the first week of January, I kind of found out on, I think it was like January 6th, that um, they reached a negotiation between them. Uh, obviously, Tommy asked if I would like to make that move. And of course, you know, for any player in the CPL to to play in the MLS is another you know great opportunity for me. So um, with no hesitation, I said, yes, I would love to. But obviously, it wasn't easy leaving back, leaving Cavalry. But yeah, so basically it was uh, January 6th where he kind of let me know that the negotiations and the benefits on both sides were, were reached, and then on the seventh, he called me and said I was acquired by Montreal. And then I had to be in in Montreal on that Friday. I think it was like January eleventh for for physicals and medicals and things of that sort. So it's uh, I had kind of a couple of days in in BC to pack up my life and uh, start a new life here in Montreal. What a uh, what a start to the new year for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's um, I forgot one little part in there. Remy Guard, uh, Montreal's old manager he had a, he had a talk with Tommy Wilden after they came to play us in Calgary and, and Tommy apparently name dropped me and said, there's one guy that's not playing Joel Waterman. Just keep an eye out for him. He's kind of uh one for the future. So I owe a lot to, to Tommy and the part he played. So does uh, Tommy get any commission from this?
2: <laughs>
4: nah, nah, he was, it was just, it was one of those things where, um, it was, I didn't even know the, the actual context of their, their, their talk. Um, or the details of it but yeah he told me he, he named dropped me a little bit so that's what uh, that's what you kind of want and that's why you do those things
0: wow like are you you wonder where all these uh, like people get their info from like nobody tells me anything so it's a it's just amazing that like even you didn't know and all these people just were able to find this stuff out it just amazes me yeah, absolutely. um did you uh did you, do you feel any pressure being the first cpl player
4: to make the make the move to the mls um yeah I would say so I mean it's good pressure though um I didn't want anybody else to make that make that first move um you know if it it wasn't me I'd be upset so I'm happy about being you know that trailblazer and I've talked about it numerous times before just being that trailblazer that that guy that you know guys in the league that can come to for information about what the MLS is like compared to the CPL and and just give out information and kind of um use my platform just to to reach other players and um you know, like I said, um, I was happy. I was the first one to do it. And, uh, you know, I obviously I hold some great honor and great respect with, you know, being the first player moved. Um, but, you know, there's so many players in the CPL that that can make that jump. that can make that move. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, other guys get acquired by MLS teams in the future. Yeah. Like, I mean, just from watching
0: some of the games, like last year, you can definitely see um, the, the the talent that's in the league itself. And it's, that's one of the great things about the CPL that it's giving these guys a window uh, for people to see them.
4: No, absolutely. Um, yeah, we needed a lead to call our own in Canada uh, before there was no, you know, professional outlet. You either had to go to the states through through USL and the MLS road, or or go overseas to Europe. So, um, you know, we're trying to finally get some traction behind the Canadian game, and and it's something that we needed. And uh, the CPL is a great place to start. Um, I hope it grows. I hope it continues to grow. And obviously, with with moves um, like mine, people know that, you know, they, they can now stay in Canada and they have a route to go play professional football. So uh, for me, that was massive. And that's why I do things like this, just to share, share my story. Because I know there's tons of kids that, you know, the the whole Europe or the MLS route um, going through the States might not be, might not be their thing. And they want to go to Canadian universities or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, now that we have that professional outlet um, and a league that we can call our own, it's it's massive for the country.
0: Yeah, it's uh like a, it's it's great as I said like to have that outlet because it, it's difficult moving like abroad when you're that young. It's the same in Ireland like like kids get picked up by like the English teams and move over when they're sixteen, seventeen, and it's yeah. it's very difficult being that young away from home and stuff like that. Like sure. you did it, you did it down in the states, right? Like you were at um you, you were in Washington with the team down there, it was a kids Kitsaps or something like that. You are down there, Kitsap, with? yeah, Kitsap, always. Yeah. So, so like, what was that? What was that like moving down
4: there? at Like such a young age? Yeah, I think, um, well, obviously before that, I played on numerous teams where we kind of be away from home and I kind of got used to it. Um, but that was my first time kind of really moving away for, you know, three or four months of, of the summer. And um, to be honest with you, Kitsap was was not even in my plans. Um, I went to their open trial and um, after the first day, Cami McDonald was the manager at the time. and And they basically, you know, loved me after the first day. And I was very grateful for for that opportunity. And they said they wanted me on the spot. So, um, you know, obviously I was looking at other PDL clubs, but that one just felt like, you know, I was going to get better as a player. And to be honest, that was my breakout year. 2016 was my breakout year with Kitsap. Um, just playing with the, you know, the, the level of players that were there. And obviously Camby was a massive part in, in making me better. And I had to grow up fast um, and just playing with older players and, and being in that league. And at that time Kitsap was, you know a really good club and we had some success and obviously in the lamar hunt open cup um getting to play the seattle sounders the first team was amazing and just those experiences um kind of helped me shape and shape my game into, into being what it is today so um yeah i had fun i had fun down at kitsap i had um my old trinity western teammate caleb scott with me there so we had we roomed together so we had some good times it was fun it's always nice to have a
0: uh, familiar face to uh to, to help you out with that kind of stuff um so your um your first day at montreal and you look around and you see legends
4: like bojan and people like that like how how surreal is that yeah for the first day um i'd be lying if i didn't say i was you know starstruck a little bit obviously (laughs) with um with who was coaching us and obviously like you mentioned boyan and piati and guys like that that i've you know i've watched growing up and and kind of followed their careers and um yeah, coming into it, I think at the end of the day, you know, after a couple of days, um, things got back to normal. Um, obviously, with with Coach, it was, you know, he's the manager, we're the players. Um, we're trying to make him better. He's trying to make us better. And it was kind of business as usual. And obviously, with the players as well, we're just, we're all there to play football because we love it, right? So we're all there just to try and get better. And um, it's been fun to kind of, you know, pick Boyan's brain about, you know, his Barca days and, and the levels he's played at. Um, so just hearing stuff like that, it just inspires guys like me who, you know, haven't had the chance to, to, to go to Europe or experience that, you know, the, the football cultures over there or um, really be abroad yet in their career. Obviously, I don't know where I'll be in the future, but um, you know, it's just been fun, you know, just being in relationships with those guys and kind of hearing, you know, their stories of how they got to pro- professional football.
0: Yeah. Like I, I, it's, it's an amazing insight for you. So like I, I know there's a connection between the impact and uh, Bologna in, in Italy. So, if the
4: the opportunity came up, would you make the move? Um, Yeah, obviously I would, I would have to consider a lot of things, Um, you know, where I'm at in my career, um, obviously what the contract is like, um, how my time is going with Montreal. There's tons of things I would have to consider. And um, obviously having that relationship is, is a positive thing, both for Bologna and obviously Montreal. And um, yeah, man, I can't, I can't, I can't tell the future where I'm going to be headed. Um, I'm focused on, you know, my next couple of years here in Montreal and then, Focusing on MLS Cup here and, and then seeing kind of what happens after. One of the greatest football icons ever
0: is your head coach. Um Thierry's like obviously uh, worked like alongside Arsene Wenger and, and people like that. What's his what's his style like as a coach?
4: Um that's a good question. I think I think it differs. I don't I don't think he's he's pinned to one thing. Obviously, I would say he's very passionate. Uh, you can see it on the sidelines and and his theatrics and everything he he loves the game um, at the end of the day he loves us to you know kind of when we're we're talking about football, he wants to talk about football you know ninety nine percent of the time because he just loves the game. you can see it in the way he approaches his details and his tactics and and things of that sort. Um, you know obviously there's that side of it, but we can tell that he just loves being on the field and for us that's that's a massive inspiration because you know, he still has that motivation and that hunger to to win, even after his career is done. So, um, for us, it's motivation to to be better. And obviously, if you just look at his stature and the way he carries himself, it's it's uh, he's got a little swagger, and a little confidence about him. And and you know that we, we feed off that. We we kind of puff our chests up a little bit more when we're around him. And um, but yeah, I, I love his style, um, very European, um, and it, it's been fitting well with our with our squad so far. Obviously you know, things being cut short with the with the whole COVID thing. But um, before we were playing well and we are we were, our tactics were spot on and uh, he wants us to play a good brand of football, which, which I always wanted to be a part of.
0: So is he the, is he the type of manager that still like puts on his boots and gets out
4: there, which is, or is he like kind of just, Oh just yeah. In <laughs> yeah. 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 He'll, he'll put on his boots and he'll, you know, he'll still be the best player on the pitch. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, sometimes I'll come in, I think he was playing center back in the in training session one day and it's not even his main position, but he's picking off passes that, you know, I'll never be able to do in my, in my whole career, probably. So, um, you know, just seeing, just seeing that and the talent he has and the player he was, and obviously still is, um, you know, it's a massive inspiration because, you know, I grew up watching him and I grew up, you know, watching the Premier League and, um, you know, what he did in, in not only the Premier League, but all, all his other teams he was a part of, it's, he, he's, he's class.
0: Yeah, like I think that the way the uh, the Canadian Championship was set up this year, that there is a chance that you guys might actually be playing here in Halifax. So I know there is a a lot of people who are dying to see him So uh, hopefully that hopefully that works out and we get to get to see you guys here in Halifax. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> so um, you, you made your home, yeah, You made your um, your your first game for the Impact was in Costa Rica. Mm. Um, what what was like? What was your feeling going into that game? Because it's probably like the biggest game you've played in um like was it nerves was it like the adrenaline just pumping through you what
4: what was going through your head yeah it was funny um it was you know obviously with our travel squad and we had a couple guys injured and um i didn't start but um i was only i was the only center back that that traveled in the lineup so i i knew if anything did happen to our back line i would have to step up and i'm the type of player that kind of always stays ready i've always Taking my opportunity whenever it comes because you might only get one chance in your career and you have to take advantage of it, right? So, um, you know, I always stayed ready. And obviously, Rudy Camacho going—I think he went down in the fifteenth or seventeenth minute or something like that—and um, coach called on me. And and you know, I was a little warm-up time, just seeing you know twenty thousand fans screaming at you, swearing at you, saying all sorts in Spanish. <laughs> you have no idea what they're saying, but it's it's all part no. of it. If, You know, it's not good, right? (laughs) Yeah. You just, the way they're, the way they're saying it, you just know it's not happy things. And, um, for me, it was, you know, it was just excitement. Obviously there's a little bit of nerves, a little bit of butterflies, but, um, for me, that means I'm I'm ready. And, you know, without butterflies, you know, it's, you know, something's wrong because in a, in an intimate stadium with 20,000 fans like that, it's, it's deafening. The noise is deafening. And, uh, when I came on, I, all I remember, um, coach saying was, uh, just ease yourself into the game. That's all he said. So for me, it was just falling back on all my training habits and what got me there and, and uh, just trying to do my job for the squad. And we came away with, you know, obviously a tie we would have wanted to win, but um, yeah, a crazy experience I'd always remember for the rest of my life. And um, but yeah, it was, it was no nerves. Um, just, I was excited. I was ready to go and just grateful for the opportunity
0: it goes to show you like i mean like you were talking there about his, his his stature and stuff like that it's like just like a little sentence like that just like you know it, it just it, it
4: ha- helps a lot right like, you know, absolutely yeah yeah i think you realize that you know you probably realize where where i was at in my career and obviously it was my debut and and kind of literally getting thrown in the fire a little bit in an atmosphere like that and you know, sometimes I think managers can can go over the top with details, and but he kept it simple. He said, "Just ease yourself into the game," and that's, it. that's exactly what I did. A couple of touches on the ball, played some good passes, um, just kind of did my thing and fell back on to what got me there in the first place. And and a comment like that definitely kind of eased me into it and uh, let me know that he was kind of on my side and believed in me. And and uh, yeah, so nothing but uh, good memories from that experience. So then, uh, obviously, you went from being in the cauldron
0: down there to uh getting to make your home debut in, in Montreal um where the, obviously hopefully the fans were not screaming abuse at you <laughs> yeah. what was that what, what what was that like what was the like the the atmosphere of the ground like what's uh, what was the home
4: debut like oh it was amazing um yeah just trying trying to stay in the moment and enjoy it but you know obviously still knowing that we had a job to do and a three points to get so um, it's finding that happy medium and and you know I think at one point in the warm-up I just kind of looked around at the stadium and and was like wow like I'm, I'm here like I'm finally here and it's <laughs> and it's been you know it's taken me I started playing soccer when I was five years old so it's taken me you know almost 20 years to get to this point and um, you know you start visualizing on you know all the people that helped you along the way and how much work you put in and um, and then you kind of have to snap back into reality and and you have a job to do to get three points so um, I was very grateful to, you know, I got an assist on the first goal off a corner kick and, um, something I didn't expect to, to get in my first ever MLS game, but, um, you know, any way I can help the team get the three points, I'll do it. And, um, the fans are amazing. They were buzzing. Uh, the energy was amazing. And, um, again, another experience in another game, and I actually got to keep the, my home debut Jersey. So I hung it up in my room. So that's always going to be a keepsake for me in my career. And, nice um yeah nothing but good memories from that experience as well that's amazing that they that you get to keep it um did they did the team sign it or um is it no no they didn't i I was i was actually thinking about that they probably should sign it um just you know remembering the players that i played with and and we'll just kind of add more more memories to that keepsake so uh hopefully hopefully i'll bring it by training one of these days (laughs) and everyone can grab a sharpie and we'll get it done yeah big time uh, if, if you get it done you'll have to send me a picture uh, okay.
0: so I'm a uh, I'm a Tottenham fan so I have to ask you uh, okay. what's uh, what,
4: what's it like having uh, Victor Wanyama around the club and how is he as a player yeah um, obviously I only got to see him for literally you know a couple of weeks not even um, but you know just coming in uh, I love his mindset um, I think it was a day in training or something like that or even one of the games I think it was the game against Olympia in the Champions League and you know, he's not afraid to, you know, get after you if you're not doing your job. And, but he, he wants to win. And that's the same mentality I have and the same mentality that, you know, the coach has, has instilled in our, in our culture and our team that, you know, we'll do anything it takes and everything it takes to win. And, um, obviously, you know, the levels he's played at, I want to learn from him and, and kind of what he's been exposed to in his career. And, um, but yeah, he's been the, the one game I did see him in, he was great. So, um you know hopefully we can get back to everything kind of soon and we can start you know keep building that relationship yeah
0: like I, it, I, it was definitely like a coup for the, the impact to get him. like i mean i was very surprised because there was talk from him going to like, <laughs> the celtic there was talk from him going to europe and stuff like that so and the fact that uh, the impact got him was i'm pretty stoked about it. i kind of i really want to go to montreal now and, and see a game just to see him yeah um, so like uh how have you been obviously like the the season had started and then all this craziness kinda happened and stuff of like that? Like how are you staying focused through it all, like with your fitness and uh match sharpness and stuff of like
4: that? Yeah, it's uh obviously it's gonna be difficult to maintain, you know, the fitness that we are in. Um, you know, obviously everything's custom to getting us at our peak fitness when the season hits and obviously it's very difficult to do that just inside the, the confinement of your own homes, but um just trying to do everything still to, to stay sharp and stay as fit as we can. Um, the club sent us a couple of weeks of, of different activities that we have to do in terms of, um, you know, home workouts and running. We have competitions and um, things of that sort. So they've done a great job of, of sending us stuff, stuff to keep busy. And now it's our job to, to keep our bodies, you know, fresh and fit um, as best as we can. So, you know, when this thing does blow over um, that we're, we're kind of ready to, to start up again. Are you uh? Are you learning French? Or I actually I knew a little bit of French before I came, so I uh, I took French immersion in high school uh, and, nice. a, and elementary school. So I took French immersion from grade six to about grade ten. Um, so I got a, got a good chunk of what the language is about. I can understand most of it. Um, just speaking it's sometimes difficult because you know obviously Montreal um, they speak you know a lot quicker, and it's 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 sometimes hard to catch certain <laughs> words that they're saying, but. Um, you know, if I need to have a conversation, I can have a conversation with somebody. So it's, it's, and I did, I just finished French immersion in, in university too. Uh, I did a little course. So, um, I just try to keep it fresh and keep it in my mind. And obviously, you know, I don't use it as often as I should probably, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good.
0: That's good to hear. Uh, so, um, turning to the last season, uh, I, I was talking to, uh, Jordan Brown there, um, mm-hmm. about the disappointment from last year what lessons did you learn from, from the disappointment of the finals?
4: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, to be honest, I don't know if, I don't know if I learned, I mean, cause I've lost before in my career. So I am pretty sure we all have at some point. And this one probably hurt the most just based on how our, our regular season went and how successful we were in the Canadian championship. And, um you know and i'll say this i wasn't a big fan of the format of the league in the first place because um you know i knew and seeing our dominance in the in the spring season um i knew you know it could be very possible that we win the fall again and and to me you know we were the best team over 28 games and and we came up short over two legs and uh full respect to to forge and what they did i think i thought they're the better team over those two legs um but at the end of the day, it it definitely stung. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I still haven't watched that game back or any of the games back because, um, you know, it's still tough, but I think, you know, the biggest thing I learned was probably that the most, you know, the experience of the big time games, I think more, um, you know, obviously playing at Forge, I think there was about 11 or 12,000 people and obviously that game didn't go the way I would have hoped it would go, but, um, just having that experience and having that, you know, I, would, I don't want to say failure. I'll just say learning experience of you know getting the red right card and how I had to handle myself, you know, in terms of what people were saying on social media and um, even in terms of what people were saying about our team. Um, but you know, it made it a lot easier being you know with the guys that were there in the locker room and obviously the the culture that Tommy instilled in us. Um, you know, I know I I almost wish I could add another year to go attack another championship with that team. But obviously um, you know, they're going to be in good hands and and those guys have hunger and desire to, to go out and and uh, make it to the final again. And this time win it, I have no doubt in my mind about that. So um, so not, not, you know, not learning lessons, but just, you know, soaking it in and kind of taking it for what it was and, and trying to get better.
0: Yeah. Like, like I, I tend to agree with you. Like I didn't, particularly like the format that they had like i mean like you guys like crushed everybody pretty much all year and then just for it to come down to like a two-legged uh fine like that just didn't really make sense to me like to be honest i know you kind of still have to go and win the games but Mm -hmm. like i mean like your team was just like just that step above i thought than everybody else and it's kind of sad that you guys didn't really get the uh the accolades that you, you deserved you know
4: Yeah. And I mean, that's what we were shooting for the, the trouble, right? So the spring, the fall and the, and the final, um, but it wasn't our time. And again, I give full, full credit to, to Forge for what they did. They're an amazing team as well. And there's probably a lot of teams in the league that were deserving of it too. But like you said, I thought we were the most dominating over 28 games. And for me, if it was more like a prem style, um, you know, we obviously would have come out on top, but that's not the way it was. So, um, like Tommy always said, we kind of adapt and overcome and, and now they start working. Once this thing kind of blows over, they're going to start working again. And it's the same mindset, same goal and, and same mindset as before to, to go and win championships. So like a, a lot of, uh,
0: players kind of moved over from the foothills to the to, to cavalry. Like how important was
4: it for you guys to have that bond, like kind of already there? It was massive. Um, more so for the overall culture. I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever spoken to Tommy, but um, you know, anytime you talk to him, he's a massive culture guy and, and rightfully so, because I think our culture was uh, unique. Um, It definitely helped us um, come together in times of adversity and whatever it was, a game, a loss, um, whatever it may have been at that time. And um, having those relationships of, you know, those 12 or 13 guys that made that jump from foothills, and already having that chemistry, it was it was massive. It was huge for our squad, and then we just added a couple of international pieces that that kind of put the icing on the cake and gave us a little bit of diversity and a little bit of uh, you know experience and sharpness and everything kind of just molded together really well. So I thought the way that they put together the squad was um, was fantastic, and it was an amazing amazing time to be part of it. So um, the on a kind of a happier note, I guess. Uh, you guys obviously knocked out the, the white cap. Tommy let me travel and because and, obviously that's my hometown. So I had about 75 to 100 family and friends there that were obviously planning to come watch me play. But um, I ended up being injured, but I got to be in the stands with them when when we kind of won and Jordan scored his goal. And, and uh, just being there for that experience was almost just as nice as being on the pitch, to be honest, because, you know, um, obviously a lot of talk before the season started and probably a lot of people comparing us to the MLS and comparing the CPL to the MLS. And, um, you know, it was definitely one of our goals to, to go in there and, and ruffle some feathers. And obviously where the white caps were at that time, they weren't in great form and we knew we could take advantage of it because we were in great form. So, um, and for us, it wasn't just a, a one leg, it was over two legs. We were the better squad. And, um, you know, that was obviously a massive, massive, thing for our club just for you know the history i think people are going to remember that 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 win forever and that victory and um just being in the stands being able to experience it was was amazing did you uh get to go into the locker room afterwards i did what was that like (laughs) i did oh it was uh the guys were buzzing they were we get we get um some gummy bears at half to to get some some sugar in us and so there's a bunch of you know candy and guys are celebrating and Uh, waving the flags and you know taking pictures and it was it was a celebration but obviously you know we wanted to enjoy it that night and then we our focus moved to Montreal right after that like I said it was a massive thing not only for our squad but obviously the community and the city of Calgary Um, before you wouldn't even have heard that football was a massive thing in Calgary and you know what Foothills did and then obviously with the cavalry and Changing the landscape of what Calgary soccer looks like, it was it was a win for for so many people, not other than you know ourselves.
0: Yeah, it was also a, a huge win for the CPL too because it, it put the uh, the league on the map. Um, I think maybe the the MLS teams maybe slightly looked down their nose a little bit, obviously because it's a, like they see it as like not as being inferior and stuff of like that. So it was kind of good for the league to make its make a stand and make a point of that, like the, like they're here to play absolutely so you scored you scored an absolute peach of a goal against Halifax <laughs> I, know, I know I'll piss off uh, or Halifax listeners but uh what walk us through the goal man
4: yeah it was uh I think it was really late in the game like the 90th minute or something like that and um obviously we have tactics on set pieces and my my area was back post and I think it was Jules that put in a great ball back post and um, i tried to get a good connection on it and put it in a good area and put it back stick and it uh kind of hopped over the ox there and i kind of felt bad for him because you know obviously he needed he didn't get a massive a massive warm-up coming into that game because i think the other the other keeper got a rent cards so um you know tough positions for him to be in but but yeah and it was special because my parents were actually there for that game they came into calgary and, and flew in to see me so uh, it was oh, found wow. pre- it was fan appreciation day so my family came and they got to see my first ever professional goal and you know, obviously the the way I scored it and and how good of a goal it was, it was uh, you know a very unique experience not only for me but for them as well. It was, uh, it's it's definitely a good way to uh, score your first
0: goal, man. <laughs> yeah, not too shabby, <laughs> hey. Yeah, and uh, like as I said, I get you know ha- the Halifax listeners probably don't want us to talk about it, but, uh, <laughs> kind of to, but it, it, it was awesome. So I know you've kind of talked about Tommy a few times and. Um, how
4: good of a coach is he and like, how has he helped you to improve as a player? Yeah, he's been a massive figure in, in my career. Um, not only when I was at Cavalry, but still is to to this day. I know I can, you know, text him or give him a call anytime and whenever I'm going through something or, um, if I have any questions, he'll, he'll get back to me right away. So, um, you know, we established a great relationship from Foothills and, um, it could just continued on and, you know, obviously through Cavalry and to this day and, um i give him massive credit for again changing the uh the soccer landscape in calgary obviously he had a lot a lot of help uh, with other amazing coaches but uh he was kind of the front runner and everything of that of that sort so um no nah, he, he's he's an amazing coach um like i said uh a, a huge believer in culture and rightfully so and he's uh he's a master at creating a culture and you know you obviously saw with the team he put together at cavalry and um how much success we had there he he does it the proper way so um you know he's always he's been an amazing you know role model for me in my career and and will continue to be
0: yeah he's he's
4: done an amazing job there and
0: uh you know it's you you can see that he's developing a culture and quite a team as well so um and the, the club is lucky to have him so um
4: who was your toughest opponent last year in the cpl I would, I would just say 400 off the bat. I think, uh, obviously you saw with, um, you know, it was kind of a, a two teamed, uh, league at times. Cause I think we, we run away with it, uh, quite a bit, but, um, having to play them, you know, I think it was six or seven times or maybe even more by the end of the season. It was crazy. It felt like we were playing them kind of every week and it was always a battle. <laughs> it was always a one goal game. No, no game was, was more than more than two goals, um, between us. So. Um, I think it was just different different styles I think we were more direct at times obviously we uh, we were physical and we we played that to our advantage and they they like to move the ball and and they had a different kind of philosophy to their game so I think it was entertaining um, I hope it was entertaining to the fans and, but I think I think each team had had different threats and different um, troubles of their own so I, I wouldn't you know obviously count anybody else but just based on the fact that we played Forge the most and every single game was just by one goal, uh, I would say they were our biggest competition. So do you think
0: it's going to be like the uh, like Liverpool-Man United thing of the CPL,
4: you guys and Forge? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of tipped up to be, you know, this rivalry after what kind of happened in the Canadian Championship with, you know the fights and, and things said. And, um, I was, I was actually injured for that game too. So I actually was watching at home and in Calgary and just seeing those scenes. Um, but again, I think that's what builds football cultures. I think you need rivalries. And obviously I think going into it, everyone expected that, that to be us in Edmonton, but, um, it was probably us and Forge and they were entertaining games. It's what, you know, gets people out to watch gets what gets fans out. And, um, you know, as long as it's within the confinement of the rules and, and, you know, everyone's just competing really, really hard. I don't see any problem with it. And it'll probably be a rivalry that we'll see for, for many years to come. So uh, how did you break your toe? It was, uh, we were away at Pacific. So in the second game of the fall season, um, in early July, um, I came on for the last 10 minutes just to close out a game against Pacific. And, uh, somebody came and stepped on it and after the game, it was, or during the game, it was, you know, obviously the adrenaline you don't really feel it. But after the game, I tried to do my runs and I could barely run. So, um, you know, I was in a lot of pain and actually I, I trained for that next week after, but obviously knowing I couldn't really use my right foot and I just tried to play on it thinking it was just bruised. And then they decided to get an x-rayed and it was actually broken. So it was my big toe on my right side. So obviously, you know, uh, a very important toe if you want to play and um for me they just said basically it was almost two weeks at a time but i knew it was it was closer to about six weeks because you know with a muscle injury or something like that you can work on it and recover quicker but with something like this you just have to let it heal and um you know some players have have ended their careers because of toe injuries and toe injuries are now i've never had a toe injury up to this point but man like obviously before if a a teammate got a toe injury you kind of make fun of them and and kind of you know give them some give them some crap but man it hurts it it's not fun so it was uh it was a tough it was it was tough you know sitting up that six weeks with all their I mean with all of our success in the Canadian championship and missing those big games but um you know I think everything happens for a reason so like obviously
0: injuries are part of the game unfortunately but how do you how do you deal with the, the the time like you know like obviously it's it's mentally taxing and you just want to be back out there and stuff like that as a player how do you deal with that side of the injuries
4: yeah I think first just realizing that it is part of the game but like you said um obviously athlete's worst nightmare is getting injured not being able to to do the do the thing that they love the most but um uh, for me it was just being around the squad being around the guys and still feeling like I'm a part of something and um, whether it was, you know, shagging balls for, for our strikers that were shooting or, um, you know, bringing water to the, whatever it was, um, just trying to be a good teammate still and, and just being around the team. So feeling a part of it. And, um, that's what got me through it. And, and luckily, and fortunately I haven't got a, you know, a massive, massive, uh, injury. And obviously some guys on cavalry last year, Dean Northover, Chris Serbin, uh, Mauro Estacchio, guys that, you know, kind of did their knees, um, you know, my heart goes up to those guys because, um, you know, to be out for a year, year and a half, whatever it is to, to rehab from those things is excruciating and something that, um, you know, I hope to never encounter in my career. But, um, you know, with the injuries I've had, it's just about staying around the team, uh, being a good teammate and just feeding off the guys to to get energy.
0: Yeah, it's uh, like I, um, I I've read Roy Keane's book and he was talking about when he did his cruise shit and he was out for nine months and uh, him being Irish, uh, he, he hit the bars a little bit. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, it sounds like you,
4: uh, you, you did it the sensible way. So. yeah, <laughs> no, nah, there's, there's definitely, I mean, you know, you can make it out to be super easy and stuff like that, but it was, it was, it was definitely a tough time and something I hope, you know, no athlete has to go through in their career. But, um, unfortunately it's part of the game. If you're going to put your body on the line
0: so so uh like your defensive partner last year dominic um how how good of a player is he and how important was that relationship for for the team
4: yeah i would go a stretch further and say it wasn't just you know Zat and i it was mason and jay as well um looking at our defensive record we were the best we had the best defensive record in the league and um obviously whoever you put in there at one time we would go in and do the job and you know, looking just at that. I mean, you could just see, you know, the way his career developed, he was at UFC playing against me in, in university ball. And then, you know, went to the white caps FC two team when they still had one and, and then played professional obviously with Cavalry, and then got him a national team call up. So uh, for him, I was super ecstatic of, of him getting in that, that call, because I knew, I know how much work he puts in behind the scenes, um, not only on the pitch, but in the gym with his nutrition, whatever it may be. Um, he's a professional and he was massive for our squad. He was playing center back at the beginning and, we kind of had to push him out to the right side and he did a job and played exceptionally well. And that was a testament to, to his national call-up. So um, having a guy like that with, you know, that amount of um, leadership, inspiration, things of that sort, it was, it was massive for our team. So
0: um, outside of uh, Calgary, what was your favorite ground to play in?
4: Uh, I'm not just saying this cause I'm on this, but Halifax, <laughs> Halifax. Cause I think, you know, you saw every single game, it was seven, 8,000 fans consistently and um, seeing what, you know, football meant to those fans. Um, And I I actually wish that Halifax kind of had more success during the season because I thought they're a good squad. I just think they had a hard time getting started and, and finding the right players and how, how the chemistry worked and, and things of that sort. But um, obviously there's going to be some growing pains for every team and, uh, but just seeing the consistent fan base, um, their stadium was amazing. Um, Having, you know, people shouting at you from from two feet away, having a beer on the table, uh right by the sideline was was uh, you know, obviously something that I never thought we'd kinda of see in Canada, right? So um yeah, it was it was an amazing atmosphere. I loved how it was grass. Um it was a nice little stadium. So I would say Halifax for sure.
0: Yeah, it was um I think it's a huge testament to the fans that we had a pretty Dreadful season last year, but they still turned up for every game they drove. So um, I can imagine what it's going to be like when they see success. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> they're, they're, they're probably going to have to double the capacity.
4: Um, yeah. yeah,
0: Just a couple of like kind of uh, quick fire kind of questions that we kind of ask everybody. Yeah. Um, top three players uh, that kind of inspire that inspire you, like in 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 the world.
4: Um, Steven Gerrard, Virgil van Dijk, and. I see Cristiano Ronaldo just based on his his work ethic.
0: So I I know you're a
4: Liverpool fan. God mm. love you. Um, what's uh, why Liverpool? Uh, one of the biggest reasons was Stevie G, um, what my favorite player growing up, someone I always watched, someone I tried to emulate my game after, and then just the history to have have with the club, and obviously you know seeing videos of them singing "Never Walk Alone." It's just you know something i hope to experience one day whether i'm in whatever whether i'm on the field or the stands right it doesn't matter to me but but just yeah just the history they have with the club and and what they stand for and yeah someone i always cbgo was someone i watched growing up and then that kind of made me you know um transcend to like to like liverpool
0: yeah it's it like i mean even for like people who aren't liverpool fans you can't help but get the kind of the The hairs in the back of your neck kind of going mm-hmm. up when you hear. You never know, walk along. There's actually a really good uh, uh video of but Liverpool played Celtic, and mm. Celtic fans singing that song too. So the whole stadium is singing it. Oh, yeah. It was it's incredible. You should check it out. Um. So if you're you're going to be playing a five-a-side tournament, players would you pick to be on your team?
4: Um. That you've played alongside. Ooh, that's a great question. I'm gonna do. Uh... Five aside. Ooh, is that four and a keeper?
0: It's whatever way you want to do it, man. Some people have put like a defend, like a defender rather than a
4: keeper. Ooh. Okay, I'll go. Um, I'll go Marco Carducci in net, and I'll go obviously myself. Um, myself in the back line with. This is tough. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Mason Trafford just because I I'm, I'm youth. He's got the experience. Mason Trafford, and then we're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go five and a goalie. So we're gonna go three up top. I'm gonna go. Nacho Piatti, because uh, I think he's ridiculous. Even though he was, I only saw him for like a couple months, but he's ridiculous. Um, Dominic Malonga as a center forward, and. Ooh. Actually, I need a center mid. Let's go. I'll throw in Elijah out of Kubi just because he's he's my boy. And uh I think I think he balanced off our squad nicely. Nice. That's a pretty solid team, man. Uh what's your favorite movie? There's so many. I'm I'm definitely an avid movie watcher right now with nothing else to do. But I love the Transformers series actually. Nice.
0: That's yeah. a that's a good good, good choice. We're we're talking to I think it was uh Michael Petrasso the other day and he said crazy stupid love so i told i told him I'm going to <laughs> I'm, I'm edit that out and put in good so <laughs>
4: yeah i am kind of with him on that one. I'm I'm a you know a romcom kind of guy too you know i can watch those kind of movies but i was you know saving the embarrassment so i didn't say any movies <laughs> like that
0: uh, uh, your favorite food uh definitely french fries <sighs> yeah i uh if you ever if you ever in europe Go to Belgium has like the best French fries ever, Okay. and they put they yeah. serve it with this weird kind of sweetish kind of mayonnaise. It's ooh, fucking incredible! It's really yeah, weird. man.
3: <laughs> so the
0: the last question before I let you go and let you uh, get back to your life, um,
4: what what's what's your goals for the season that's coming up? Where, where what what would you like to achieve? I think for me personally, I think to be a consistent starter and to get minutes and to get the opportunity to show what I can do, obviously, you know, we were in a good run and I was playing before this whole thing kind of happened. So it's unfortunate that we had to stop, but yeah, for me personally, just to, to get good, good team minutes. Um, And then for a collective, you know, it has to be an MLS cup. I think, you know, if you don't have that in mind as the vision, you know, there's nothing to really shoot for, obviously, you know, there's a lot of things that are out of our, out of our control that, you know, can, can sometimes hold us back from achieving those things. So it's about what we kind of do every day. I'm a big believer in the process and how you handle yourself every day in terms of, you know, you working out, your training habits, your nutrition, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, for us it's just focusing on, on those things kind of each and every day. And then the, the end result will take care of itself, hopefully. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for hanging
0: out. And um, it was definitely a great insight into, your switch to uh, the mls so yeah um, take care and hopefully we get to see you back playing for montreal sooner rather than later all right man thanks so much have a good day thanks buddy appreciate it cheers you've been listening to the down the pull podcast thanks again to our guests jordan brown and joel waterman thank you to carlos and to chris for helping out thank you to all the listeners for supporting the show we really do appreciate it You can head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're also available on iTunes and on Spotify. Until next time, cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.